Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This is sort of what I was talking about with influencers. I used to do this where you sort of create busy work for yourself. So you'll make things to do. So you'll be like, I'm going to set up meetings. And I do this. Because you feel like your time, every minute of your day between nine and five should be filled with some sort of like task. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to podcaster, influencer, writer, presenter and comedian, Anoni. Perfect. Hello, I'm Steve Whiteley and welcome to Balancing Acts, a series of conversations with an array of creatives. We talk about their journey, the struggles they faced whilst progressing their career, strategies they use to unlock their creativity, how they balance their career with their personal lives, what impact this has had on their mental health and lots more. Anoni's podcast, Adulting, has been downloaded over 3 million times. She has over 123,000 followers on Instagram, which she started off in 2015 to document her weight loss and is now grown into a platform that acts as a hub for over 20-somethings. And she's created content about fitness, feminism, books, jewellery, politics, and everything in between. First of all, hello, it's been a while. And I guess you could say uh, Balancing Acts has been on a hiatus the last episode you you heard from me uh, I mentioned that I'd been in a accident I got hit by a car while I was on my bicycle and I claimed that everything was fine but in hindsight I think uh, I may well have had concussion in fact I definitely did so that was partly why there's been a bit of a gap between releasing this episode and the last and uh, secondly I went gallivanting off to Madeira uh, my girlfriend and I we felt wildly in love and we decided to go and live and work remotely from there so I went out there for a month and a half and I did plan to record episodes but I just ended up doing uh, lots of writing or, or at least staring at a screen procrastinating so that's the reasons why there's been a, a gap but this is officially season two and uh, we've we kick it off in fine fashion with Anoni. I guess she's the first guest who is, I guess you could classify as an influencer, although she is obviously a lot more than that. She's a podcaster, as I've mentioned, and does a whole host of other things. But it was fascinating talking to her about her social media journey and how her content has changed as as she's got older and her interests have uh, varied. So yeah, this is a great one. If you're interested in uh, upping your social media game or you want to know the uh, pros and cons to the life of an influencer then this is the conversation for you and as, as mentioned in the intro Anoni has a very successful podcast and um, we talk about that as well and a wide variety of other topics so without further ado over to Anoni Perfect. So in, in typical fine fashion, we started off having a good natter prior to recording. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, we need to press record. We're already getting to the gold. I know. I always think this, that you should actually just have the microphones running before people come in. Yes. See, that is a sign of a pro. Do you ever, because obviously, you know, you're a seasoned podcaster. When you go onto other people's podcasts, are you sort of like taking notes or analyzing different styles and like that's interesting well i wouldn't do that do you know what's so interesting i just said that whole thing about um you know having the microphones on but i don't do that at all i basically have like an hour-long conversation and then think shit <laughs> you need to do the podcast now right so um one sec do i sound very echoey to you um yeah i think i do as well <laughs> and um does this i think it's just it's a bit reverby 
talking about uh, analyzing other people's podcasts and then you very astutely picked up that there was a bit of a reverb issue we're gonna we're gonna hope for the best i think it's fine i'm gonna have the headphones off because i'm too much of a toddler and i can't deal with the the sound yeah i'm like i feel naked without the headphones on when i'm recording do you feel like it's nothing's happening uh, yeah I, i'm just there's always uh there's a state of underlying panic right that something might be going wrong I got the sense that you might be that kind of person when I arrived and you were telling me about the having to have the spare mic and yeah, I was yeah. nodding along. I'm just so laissez-faire with things. I'm surprised that I get anything done, yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting <laughs> because, I mean, I didn't really know where we were going to kill for exactly, but seeing as you said that, I, I was listening to something you said where you were talking about routine and structure because you do a lot. And at this particular moment, you were saying that you were, you were really big on your daily and weekly structure you have certain days for doing certain things you get up at a certain point every day and you go to sleep at a certain point every day has did lockdown fuck with that i was about to ask which episode is this how long ago is this <laughs> right so i'm assuming the answer is yes. oh my god it's completely changed like uh, this is kill i recently had to read a book that my boyfriends were telling me to read for like four years because it's got so out of hand i i got it took me years to get to that structured point i'm naturally what was the book by the way it's called atomic habits by james clare Oh, okay. I, you mentioned that on Instagram recently. Yeah, I did. Because yeah, okay. it was like, basically, it got to this breaking point where I was like, I'm going to have to read that fucking book that Matt keeps telling me to read. And I didn't want to read it on principle because he'd recommended it so many times. And I, that annoys me when someone tells me what to do. So I, yeah. I wasn't ready. But um, okay. I'm just so out of routine. And basically, I'd spent years being the really disorganized one. I was never on top of my shit. And I would kind of rest my laurels and get away with it. But I spent like post-uni really dedicated time to like, I'm going to be organized and kind of like changing my natural the homeostasis at how I want to do things. And then lockdown happened and slowly by slowly, I just unlearn all of those good habits. And um, yeah, now I'm just like a reprobate. So are you, is the plan to get back to that, that peak performance stage? A bit, I definitely, the, the irony being that there's not, now that everything's kind of loosened up and changed and we've realized that we don't have to be, I don't know, like so heavy handed with the way that we live our lives there's almost no reason this is the difficulty like i would get up at 6am because i had a meeting at nine so i had to get up at six if i wanted yeah. to go to the gym whatever okay and then without all of those sort of like pillars in place i set my alarm but i'm like realistically what am i waking up for there's no, not that i've got there's, nothing, there's to, nothing do, to do yeah. but everything's either like on zoom or like my work has slowed down in terms of like the events it's changing now but like okay. in the midst of lockdown i had i don't know like half the workload right and no incentive so um I, 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 because that's uh, my boyfriend's opposite. He sort of naturally is in a routine. He could go to bed at 4am and be drunk and be up at six and be in the gym. That's like, he's type A. I see. And I remember once we had an argument and he was like to me, yeah, but that's because you hate being told what to do. You hate structure and you, you hate something else. And I was like, okay, I'm a toddler. That explains right. it. So what type is that? Um, toddler type. Right. Okay. Yeah. Type yeah. T. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, oh, the reason you said that, sorry, is because saying Leather Fair, yeah, sorry, I don't stop talking. I was thinking about this actually on the way here because I was listening to Athena Cableno talking about her work and structure and things. And I've realized that for years, I've always said, oh, I'm a perfectionist because you know, everyone says that. Yeah. I'm not. And I just want to have it on the record. But I think that's really healthy to say because I think it can be, it feels like a lot of pressure. There's constant pressure everywhere we look. And then when sometimes you look at someone on Instagram and they're not necessarily, you don't get to really reveal or peek behind the curtain. You just see sort of like an outer image that they're portraying. And you're just like, how are they doing all of this? So when, you know, you do so, oh, actually, no, I am a bit shit sometimes. I think that's really helpful. Oh, I agree. But then the irony being that, so I, there's like a twofold thing with Instagram. Because on the one hand, you want to be like authentic and realistic and you don't want to make other people feel bad. But then, yeah. so that's the sort of the re relatability aspect. But the other side of it is you're sort of meant to be aspirational. So people also do get pissed off if you're like, oh, I'm a bit out of whack with my routine or whatever. And then they're, right. then they're annoyed at you because you're like, they're like, well, what have you even got to do? I don't know. So you kind okay, of can't, yeah. the Instagram thing's a funny one. I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a like, um, a loggerheads at the minute because I, yeah, I don't really know how to tackle it in a meaningful way right. right now. But I guess it must be quite precarious because I know you've, you've, you've sort of pivoted to use that, that uh, startup terminology. <laughs> Uh, you, you've gone from sort of being a fitness influencer and now I sort of taken a more holistic approach as you've gone on. And now I also know you're, you've, you've got into comedy as well. And so some of, you know, some of your posts are lols as well. And so is it hard, is it hard because you, you'll have some followers who are with you from early days who might expect a certain type of content and then you've got the, 
the other people, as you're saying, who are looking for something more aspirational. And then sometimes you just want to have a laugh. Yeah, exactly that. I think that, um, yeah, I built my platform with this kind of like fitness intention. And going into comedy is so interesting because on the one hand, I am, I am, I'm a really earnest, very sincere person on my podcast. That's kind of like what I've, but I've got lots of parts of my personality, but I guess the part that's sort of always been visual has been like this earnest, sincere, always wanting to learn. And my, my Instagram page is sort of quite polished. It's fashion and clothes and like nails and things, which I think is almost like in direct opposition with what, what comedy is, which is normally messy and like the edges and the fringes of, of like your personality. So it's hard for me now when I'm doing these comedy gigs, like some people come and see me and I think, oh my God, they must be like, what the fuck is going on? Because when I do stand up, I'm a totally different person than who I am. Not, I'm not a different person. It's just, I don't really show that side of myself as much. So do you talk about your um do you talk about your life as an influencer in your stand-up yeah a lot right. a lot of it at the because i think it's quite because initially when i first like well i mean i haven't been doing it for that long but when i first started doing gigs i was doing a lot of stuff about being posh in private school because it's i you kind of like have to say it and then yeah. people get over it because people get annoyed about it yeah but i did one thing called comedy virgins which is like loads of young yeah. new fresh comedians five minutes yeah yeah and i was right at the end and every it was me and a room of white guys and every single guy that came on before me just talked about being posh and going to private school because everyone's trying right. to do the like Jack Whitehall of thing. Course, of course. So I was like, fuck, I really can't, I can't talk about this. It's just not interesting. It's not, the, the only reason I was talking about it as well is because people sort of want to be like, oh, you're posh and you go to private school. So yeah. like, if I say it, then it's sort of like, that's done with. So I started talking more about being an influencer because as you said, there's a lot that people don't know about and it's quite fascinating. And even the stuff about you saying, you know, how do they do it all? And you see these people being so productive and doing so much. My friend who like helped me get into comedy, Grace Campbell, we started off doing these sketches about how everyone on Instagram was like, oh my God, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. It's just not true. Just no one's yeah. that busy. They like I used to do it, this is so bad, but I would wake up really early. And I genuinely thought I was really busy, but say I got up at six, went to the gym, did all the stuff I had to do. I'd be in bed having a nap by 11. It's oh, absolutely totally. exhausting. Have you heard of, um, there's this, uh, you know, all these life coach gurus. There's a guy called Robin Sharma and he's got a book called The 5am Club. Right. And um, embarrassingly, I, w I was preaching about this. I think it is a good book. But when I was like, in the midst of reading it, I was talking about it like it was the Bible, you know, in um, yeah. on the podcast. And his whole thing is you get up at 5am and you do this like 20, 20, 20 rule, 20 minutes exercise, 20 minute meditation, 20 minute journaling, which I, you know, I'm all for. And the idea is, is then you, your brain is that it's the most productive and creative in the morning. But the thing is, I find like midday, I was exhausted and I fall asleep. And the, and the other thing I was like, is like, I have so many hours of days before I don't know what to do. I know. That's the thing for me. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll change it to the 7 a.m. club. And then that turned into 8 a.m. No, I mean, I think on average, for me, 7 it feels 7 ish, ish. I do like, emphasize the ish. Yeah, I think good. seven's lovely. Six for me is a bit like I will be by 3 p.m. asleep. Okay. Six, I don't like it, but I would do it if I... The problem is, well, I love going out. This is reality. Right. So does your boyfriend still go up at six every day? Every day, without fail, no matter what we do, even on the weekends when right. we're having a lion. So how does that affect things? Because like sometimes, you know, weekends you want to have a cozy little lion together, read the papers, or one of you, what if during the week you want to stay up? And he wants to go to bed early. So what will happen is I'll be asleep. He'll go run like a half marathon or whatever he's doing on the weekend. Come oh, yeah. back. I shall get back, get back into bed okay. and then cuddle me. And it's 8am. I'm still not up. Okay. <laughs> so that's what happens with that. I we. It's so funny actually because you have this argument. So I, on the going out front, I'm, I am one of those people who doesn't know when to go home. I could be having the worst evening of my life and I simply will not leave the night out. It's just pathological within me. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah. And he said to me the other week, because I've got a really important meeting in the morning, so can you just make sure that you're back home early? So I got home at like 1am and I was like, so early. <laughs> and then he woke up the next day and he's like, you're back so late. And I was like, what do you mean it's 1am? He was like, I said, come back early. I was like, one is early. I was late to me is 5am. If you sit out till five, six, that's a late night. 1am hmm. to me, it's like perfect. Amazing night. And so we do have, the, we make it work, I guess, in the fact that we're both stubborn and we just do it, even though the other one's doing a different thing. Right. I'm still out at the point that he's waking up to go to work. <laughs> so he's, I take it if he's got sort of like a, I wouldn't say nine to five, but he's got to get up at a certain time of day. Yeah. He's not in the influencer world. No, not at all. Is he then an influencer boyfriend? As in, does he have to hold the camera for you for a lot? So um, he does take, he's got much better. He used to find it absolutely mortifying. He has a twin as well who'd always be trying to get him on boyfriends of Instagram. So if we were like out for a meal and Matt was taking a picture of him, <laughs> yeah. he would have Lewis behind Matt trying to take a picture of him. Okay. Picture of me. So that terrified him because he doesn't, he's not really that active on Instagram. Um, and now he's got so much better that he takes, he'll be taking pictures of me and to the point where I'm getting awkward because I'm like, okay, we've done like 500 now. And he's like, oh, I don't care anymore. He's like lost the shame. But I guess I don't, 
I don't do like proper shoots and things. It'll just be like, if we're out and about and I'm like, oh, I like my outfit. He'll take a picture. Right. Yeah. I don't really do like content days and things. Okay. So it's not, he's not heavy, heavily involved. Right. So as we touched upon earlier, you've gone through these different stages mm. of creating content. Do you ever look back? Because um, I found this recently. I, like, I used to make sketches on YouTube and some of them I might look at now and think, I don't know if I would have done that. Now, there wasn't, none of them were, were offensive in any shape or form, but you know, your, your taste change as you hopefully evolve, right? So when you, look back at some of your older posts are, is there any sense of like oh like cringe or anything like or are you totally on board with like no that was me then and this is me now and i'm completely proud of what i did back there and i'm not in any shape or form going to try and hide any of that kind of content um i don't know i think i've cringed more at some of the earlier podcasts i think okay it just because it's so vulnerable i think talking i don't know it could make some cringe i have archived some of my old posts on instagram of fitness only because there was loads of like before and afters yeah. like weight loss stuff and I was like I kind of don't want this to be my legacy and also like not that I ever want to be in the Daily Mail but say something happened where I did ha end up having like a big profile yeah you know the Daily Mail just be loving that yeah, yeah. Shit. so I did kind of get rid of <laughs> I mean there were just millions of Belfies so many do you know what a Belfie is no, a bum selfie this is a very face. like 2015 thing right so you kind of okay. do like the fitness influencer bum twist thing it's just pictures oh, of girls okay. and thongs yeah. I had loads okay. of those so I archived some of those because I was like, not not what I'm trying to do. But I don't really know. I guess I don't think I've done such like a round about the houses to get to where I am. And doing comedy for me is it makes the most sense and the podcast out of everything I've done. Yeah. But I would probably have never got there if I hadn't done the fitness stuff to begin with. Yeah. I mean, also from a sense of, you know, being vulnerable and sharing and being so open and sharing that will probably allow you to, I, I'd imagine, be brave with your comedy because part of, you know, part of the challenges when you're doing comedy is like, well, one is sort of finding your voice, but two, you know, how open and brave mm. you're going to be about your life. So if you're already used to that, then I, I would imagine that that might be helpful in some sense. That is, I think what's so interesting with the comedy thing, and it's something that I'm noticing on my platform at the minute, which is what I was saying about the polish thing is sort of, I... Um, I'm like I'm not I'm not a messy person, but I'm like on Instagram. You kind of you, you get this. It depends what avenue you take, but because of where I started, it's to do with health and fitness. It tends to be that you're looked at as quite like a responsible person. Yeah, and I am responsible. My podcast is very responsible. Whereas in the comedy, I'm starting to sort of like flesh out those bits of me that are a bit messy and like the inconsistencies and the hypocrisies. And Instagram as a platform, I don't. I mean, what's that saying like? the internet is where nuance goes to die like you can't the things i would say on stage if i wrote them on an instagram cancer i'd probably get cancelled right so that's a really fun thing to play with but like i did a joke which i thought was really funny the other day like a reel of me having a cigarette with a friend and i was like i've quit vaping and i just thought it was quite funny and i sometimes yeah. do have a cigarette when i'm drunk or not and um oh my god my audience was so angry at me they're like really? this is glamorizing smoking and i was like this is fascinating because i understand but on the one hand i really need to rip that plaster off and let people understand that you know we can't be expecting people on the internet to sort of live by our moral values it's yeah. very moralizing being on instagram stuff and i guess like i'm 27 now and i was younger when i started so i was very quick to appease i guess i'm getting yeah. older and i'm just like oh I, I can't be everything to everyone all the time you were quick to appease in what sense? So if someone was like, oh, you've done this wrong, which is great. And I love being called in about things, but I yeah. would sort of immediately apologize and take things down oh, really? and, be, and be like, oh my God, I will never do that again. To the point where you're almost molded into to a different sense. Would that cause you anxiety when you would receive those posts or comments, or sorry, comments on your posts in that sense? Would there be, yeah, sort of a reaction like, oh, sh oh shit, I need to apologize or I need to take this down? And would it sort of stay with you mentally? So I never used to feel anxious because I was so quick to be like, oh my God, of course I'm wrong and just sort of like accept it. And I even used to like post it on my story, like, look where I went wrong. And then one day, like in the pandemic, I did a post about how I used to be like really addicted to fitness. I did this post about how I haven't really been going to the gym that much. And I'm so proud of myself for not caring because it's like an amazing thing to get out of that routine and feeling like you have to go yeah. but the accommodating picture was one where I thought it looked quite good in the mirror and I was just getting so many people being really angry at me being like but you look like you're still in shape and it was just kind of turned this whole sort of like censoring basically being like you shouldn't be talking about this because even though you feel good about it like you look too lean to be it's very confusing right. and it was the first time that I've ever not gone oh my god I'll take it down I'm so sorry to funny I just went look this is I can't really do anything about that I don't know what you want me to say and um I was kind of talking about it on my stories a bit and I can't explain to you like the level of animosity people were sending. It was just the weirdest thing. I think people are bored online anyway at the minute. Um, and I've kind of taken a turning point since then 
where I've just thought, oh, I can't, I cannot make everyone happy all the time, which is the position that I was at before, um, where I would just sort of be like, I will do anything to make sure that everyone feels sort of comfortable in yeah. my page. And now I'm like, that's good to an extent, but it comes to the point where it's like the detriment of your own sense of self. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And I guess there's, I think there's probably like, there's definitely a sense of um, strength that comes with that. You know, if you're, if you you sort of get to a point, you're like, actually, no, I'm not going to adapt. This is me. Take, take it or leave it. I imagine there's going to be um, an acclimatization mm. period where it's uh, going to get a bit tricky, but over time you might lose some followers, but the, the ones that remain are going to really appreciate your authenticity well that's the thing i think it's like growing pains i think that's where i'm at the minute because i'm i'm like really i really want to properly do this comedy thing and um it's it's scary because it's it's kind of like so it's so different to the world that i'm in because it really does mean that i'm just gonna have to one being on instagram means that lots of people are very kind to you and they love you and they sort of fawn after you and they and you i can get audiences at comedy shows who laugh at all of my jokes (laughs) and i'm like am I funny? Yeah. Or have you real? just, have is you followed real? me on Instagram for five years and so just love everything I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. So comedy. It's good that you're aware of that though. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, so I've done like, I've been doing other little like gigs like comedy store and bits like that. And I've got like a few coming up and I did like a, a gay night recently where the, the it was the most amazing gay bar, but the crowd wasn't being that good for the people before me. And I was like, this is going to be the night that I die. Like this is the, this is, I can't wait. I like need this to happen. It's like a great environment for yeah. people to not laugh. Unfortunately, they thought I was really funny. Okay. So it's still hasn't happened yet but um i'm i'm like it's funny because i guess it's so different in that but it's a nice thing in that when you have an instagram audience i can't explain it to you people think because you have a following that you're someone yeah and that in a funny sense means that you don't really know what people think because it's like do you really enjoy what i'm doing or is it just because there's a number against my instagram platform whereas in comedy you're bare like it doesn't really matter who you are what like you just have to make people laugh you just have to be funny yeah Either you're funny or you're yeah, not funny. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. There's something about it that it's, I, I just like it more. I don't know if that even made sense. No, there's a, I think, I guess maybe what you're saying is there's a sense of purity in comedy that you, you don't find in the world that yeah. maybe you've come from. Yeah, I guess so. And I, and it just, it makes sense to me. I, I've, I've always loved comedy, but I never really knew that it was like a job. Yeah, it's, I was the same. I had no clue. I, but anything like that, I kind of like, I was always into like drama and singing and acting at school. And then I sort of was like, those are my hobbies. I never really, even though I did, I remember I auditioned for Skins <laughs> when I was okay. like, because we lived near Bristol. But I don't really remember thinking that it was like, I don't really know what I thought. It's only literally now that my friend, I said to my friend who's a comedian, like in 2019, she's doing a show and I was like, oh, I really want to do comedy. She's like, come and do five minutes at my thing. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I literally have had the bug since then. And then we went into lockdown, so... Yeah, no, it will do that to you. You get the bug. Were you doing Zoom gigs? No, I haven't got that far. I don't think I'm not not ready for that yet. I don't I, think I did one, and then uh, is it devastating? <laughs> I mean, I just had what well, you know what you were saying before. I had bad Wi-Fi connection, <laughs> and and uh, my my mic just sort of drooped down, and it, and at the time they hadn't worked out how to unmute everybody, and so um, you'd just be performing to a wall of silence. Yeah, not just a wall of silence, but you just see these faces, these square, <gasps> you know, faces in these little squares staring at you, and that was enough to put me off. I just don't think I could. I just don't think I could do it. I don't really understand how you do it without the audience interaction. Yeah, I think I think it's evolved now and now, you know, you are hearing laughter, which is essential are for you the sure fragile they were ego on mute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I'm no longer doing stand up. Okay. <laughs> Um, I've got so many questions for you. We've been going on a, on a fluid conversation just because I'm fascinated how you've managed to take like such a multifaceted approach. And I know you were saying before about, you know, you're kind of taking more of a laissez-faire attitude. But like, for instance, you did this. I don't know if you're still doing it, but I know last year you committed to reading a book a week mm. and reviewing it. Did you manage to do it all year through? No, I, I commit to this every year. <laughs> I do, okay, this is last one week. <laughs> no, I think last year did 30 something. Okay. 38 or something. And this year I'm on good. 22 or three, I think. So okay. I say I'm going to read a book a week, which though. I do for the first like two months. Right. And then because I've said I've got to do it, I still keep going. I doubt I'll make it to 52 because that is quite hard. Yeah. Um. How are you picking your books? It's quite random, actually. Like, I love, I used to not read nonfiction at all because I don't know if it's my ego, but I don't like being told what to do in general. And mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like reading a nonfiction book is like conceding to the fact that, that you like need help. 
Okay. So, and it's yeah. it's such a back. But now I love it. Now I started reading them. I absolutely love them. But yeah. I, there was something about it. Also, I think because I come, I did a degree in English literature, and I always love books. And I've mm-hmm. it's probably me being a bit of a snob, thinking that you know you can learn from fiction because you've got to draw it out yourself. Um, so it's probably just me being a twat. But um, yeah, I've got more into nonfiction. I just kind of either there might be a recent book that I really want to read. So like I do a book club as well. Yeah. And I've got one coming up. On the 3rd of September, we're going to be reading How to Kill Your Family by Bella Mackey, which okay. has been very well reviewed. It's a new book. So that was just an intrigue that I wanted to read that okay. fiction. Um, and then so, so so for the book club, tell me about the how that whole works. So you invite a guest on each week to look, talk about book? Or? So the book club is in real life, IRL. Yeah. So it started actually just I'd, before I'd moved to London. I was still living at home yeah. um, with my parents. I had a broken leg. I'd just finished uni. And I was talking about how... how how in the gym okay. <laughs> doing box jumps wow okay and i thought i heard the crack but i thought it was, i dropped my headphones on the floor so i just oh. walked and sat on this bench and made my dad to pick me up and i was literally just i didn't even feel i was talking about this with my friends the other day it must have been adrenaline pain. i couldn't feel it until i got to the hospital and they were like you fractured it in three places and then i screamed right and then i was on i did a whole tank of gas now and that was great fun um yeah, that's that's always fun that's always good fun yeah. So I, I was talking about how I just wanted a group of like like-minded women to talk about like interesting things, maybe books. I'd love to have a book club. So I just start like made a Facebook page, I, I, and I was doing Instagram at this time, but it wasn't the same audience as I have now, like size-wise. And I just made a Facebook group, and I was like, well, if anyone wants to come, let's all put five pounds in a kitty. We'll buy some food. We'll go to a pub, and we'll just talk about a book. Okay. So that's what we did initially. And there was like fifty of us, and we just went to I can't remember what pub it was in. Somewhere in Kennington, I think, actually. I actually think Greg Davis was in the pub when we walked past randomly. Okay. So that was the first one. And then I started doing it at, like, other pubs. Then it started working in venues. And now it's at the Albright and you get, like, catered food and you get a goodie bag. And it's, like... You've gone posh. It's gone posh, yeah. Yeah. It's on the sixth floor of the Mayfair Albright. And it's it's pretty chic. Great. You get a glass of wine, a goodie bag, and, like, an amazing meal. And then everyone just gets absolutely wasted by the end. It's um, (laughs) it's great when you say you, like, you kind of... That's what I think I found fascinating that you're, you've built like a community of sorts. Mm. That's what it feels like. And I know that sounds like a bit of a cliche, but, um, and also you've managed to combine your love of books and wine at these events. Yes. Um, talk to me about the wine. How much of a, of a wine head are you? So um, I don't know how much even, research you've done, but my name literally translates to wine woman. Did, did you find yes, this out? I did find well this done. out. Yeah. So, uh, well, I just used to like wine like anyone likes wine. And then, my boyfriend's family like often go on like wine tasting holidays okay so i've gone with them but during lockdown it kind of got a bit prolific so we were ordering so many cases like majestic and stuff and then we were doing like wine tastings on zoom with his brother-in-law who's like really into wine as well okay and it's got to the point where i'm actually not a nice person when it comes to wine as in like i would not like a cheap wine which is not a cheap wine right but like your your taste buds have become my taste buds have get too much it's not nice. So you can pick up the taste. Yeah, well, I could tell you, yeah. Some... All right, so let's just, okay. right, we're doing a wine tasting. Okay. This is wine tasting. You've got um, a nice glass of, I don't know, red. I'm not going <laughs> to give away my amateur okay. knowledge of wine. Um, Jacob's Creek, no. Um, it's, it's a bottle of red of your choosing. Okay. Describe to me the, the glass, the glass the of glass. red. Yeah, and all its sort of, you know, tonalities and so forth. Just so I, next time I... Uh, confronted by a waiter who asked me to taste the wine, I have something to say. Okay. So first thing you want to do is you've got to swirl on the table, okay. don't Yeah. To release all the the, the smells. Yeah. Then you sniff. Yeah. And then you sip. And then when you sip, this is, you've got to go. Right. To get the flavour out. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. And to then make there's the things that you're fla- you're tasting for are tannins. Yes. And tannins are the things that make your mouth go. Have you ever had like a slow berry, or something that makes the mouth like that yeah do you know what I mean so, yeah. so that, that's your tannins yeah. okay and then you have your like body so if it's really full bodied it's a thicker and it's got more flavours mm-hmm. or if it's like a lighter wine which I like like a Pinot Noir yeah that's not yeah. as full bodied big fan of that Malbec I like the Malbec Malbec's really smooth very um, smooth very smooth yeah. so it doesn't have like it doesn't have tannins it's not very acidic and that's okay. that's I also prefer that kind of thing but sometimes if you have a younger wine it'll be very tannic very acidic and um, a bit sharper. Okay. What else is there to say about the wine? Sometimes you have a long finish. Mm-hmm. So I like a white burgundy. Okay. Which is like a nice Chardonnay. And that's normally quite oaky and buttery. And sometimes that has a nice long finish, which just means after you sip it, you get a nice 
And it could be floral, it could be fruity. This is great. Woody this is oaky. Great. I'm gonna do you feel like you've learned a lot? So sophisticated. Do you Thanks. drink to get drunk or do you drink to enjoy the flavour and taste? Both. Okay. So I drink to like a nice, I love going to like a really nice wine bar with my boyfriend or with friends and like actually kind of like buying it by the glass and like having it with meats and cheeses and, and doing like quite a chic evening. Yeah. Um, But I do also go out and get... Get, get wasted sm- yeah, yeah. Get do, you, do you find um do you have like any internal conflicts with the idea of that and then your i guess your approach to self-mastery and so forth wait what, what's my conflict sorry as in like coming from your fitness background mm. you know and um the lifestyle associated yeah. with that do you ever feel that there's any do you have any conflicts so i'll give you an example from my perspective i'm big on uh, meditation mm-hmm. and, and, and that kind of thing and so I guess sometimes I used to drink loads. I don't drink as much now. But even sometimes if I get drunk now, I sometimes feel guilty for it. Right. I feel like a sense of guilt. Oh, am I betraying my my beliefs of some sort? Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think that I've, um, I think you're going to talk about balance later, but I think that I went through so, I've gone through so many extremes where like, I was like the most unhealthy person. I used to smoke 20 a day, eat Domino's every day, get pick a mix and never do any exercise and that was like me when I was like sort of can't go 18. wrong with eating Domino's no but every day I think it is a bit extreme were you actually doing it every day oh my god and we used to get double McDonald's so we got McDonald's in town and then there was a McDonald's that's our hall so we have one wow. in the taxi on the way home and then one to eat in bed so it was okay. like it was just like gluttony upon cigarettes upon vodka and then I went the other way and sort of like got extremely lean dieting loads never drunk never went out and then I have been drinking more since April 12th, 2021. I would say that my drinking has gone up exponentially because lockdown, coming right? out of lockdown. Yeah. So that's kind of, I'm not feeling any guilt um, at the minute, but come September, I am sort of going to try and rein it in. But I mean, yeah. all of my friends have sort of been like, every time we're like, should we go out? And then we're like, we never know. Maybe there'll be another pandemic. And it's just yeah. excuse upon excuse. I guess I am, as much as I say, I go out and get wasted. I also am quite good at, I do exercise regularly. I eat well and I um feel like I look after my mental health in other ways. The drinking is probably the thing where I'm the most lax, but I just love I love dancing and I love going out. Yeah. So I don't yeah, I don't I think, think I do fine. I don't think I like feel guilty. I think oh sorry. No, sorry, no, go no for I, it. I would feel bad and I do really think about this consciously because I think alcoholism is such a big thing and I know so many people family like people's family members and people in my life who've got to the point with alcohol or drugs whether it's become it's veered off into an addiction or something unhealthy yeah. so i'm conscious of that in that i would never want to be drinking constantly um and i do make sure i have breaks from it and that's something i really think about but in terms of like just going out and letting loose with my girlfriends i don't feel bad about it the next day yeah. but i am in the back of my mind i do think let's make sure that alcohol doesn't become something that is because it can happen to right. anyone and, and i think that's worrying yeah, I think people use it for for, for different reasons, yeah. don't they? So there's that uh, that old adage of you know using creatives using it, writers using it. It's mm. almost romanticised. I know when I read those, that, you know, read about like old poets and stuff. It does kind of make you want to smoke opium, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. That's why I always keep a stash behind my bed. <laughs> yeah, got to. You know, you never know. Go to like little opium den. I remember reading Ruby and the Smoke by Philip Pullman years ago. Have you ever read that? No. When I was at school, I used to think this sounds absolutely amazing, and it was they were in opium dens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've no, I've, 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 I've experimented with lots of drugs, but no, uh, opium isn't one of them. No, um, try it. Have you um, been tempted, or have you ever done sort of the likes of uh, ayahuasca or anything like that? No, but so funny you asked. I love Simon Amstel, and I know that he famously talks about it. Um, yeah. And he was actually on Off Many the other day talking about how we have a culture of like booze in the UK, and he was saying as someone that gets depressed, you know, it's so tempting to, to drink but it's like a depressant so you shouldn't and he's really into shrooms which i know is like yeah. all the rage i haven't actually tried them but i would try shrooms and it's like a massive um investor thing it's called psilocybin have you heard about yeah are you, in, are you investing that you're looking like you're yeah you in on that no i mean i i have i mean it's something i've thought about yeah i mean I, there's a whole micro dosing yeah. trend in uh, silicon valley and beyond where you've got like these tech entrepreneurs who will just take you know micro dose throughout the day not just on uh, cybercillin but also acid as yeah. well I did that I got an acid spray I tried doing that before writing and I just um, um, and what happened I just felt very loose right would you recommend yeah it w- I think you know everything in moderation mm. uh, kids perfect 
Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. Yeah, I took one, I did one or two sprays and it just felt quite loose. I don't know if I have, like, I, I feel my brain is quite chaotic anyway. Mm. And I don't know if I want to add to the chaos, if that makes Take sense. Take it down a bit. Yeah. It's interesting we're talking about this. I was, I was talking about with a friend um, and we were talking about oh, podcasting and we were saying how much we want to talk about drugs because there's such a big drug culture in the UK and everyone knows it. And even the recent like, NHS advert that's telling people to get the vaccine, like one of the scenes they use on it is so you can go out with your friends and they're quite obviously at a rave where I sh- assume people would be taking drugs. And we were like, it's so funny because everyone just acts like drugs don't exist. And yeah. then it's that it's at, like the fringe of the society. And I was like, I just wish people would talk about it. And also in a way that's like, if you're listening and you haven't done drugs, there's ways to be safe about, not that I go out and take drugs all the time, but you know, like get test kits. I just feel like we have to do like little disclaimers about yeah. being safe around drugs. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know if they just need to, are... yeah, if you're looking over at the US and the way that they've started to legalize yeah. marijuana, uh, I do think it's interesting. I mean, I, I haven't seen the full st- stats. I can't speak, you know, from an informed position. But I have read this book by this guy called Gabor Mate. He's amazing. Someone was talking about this the other day, I think. Yeah, it's um, Hungry Ghosts. It's about, it's need, about addiction. Write, oh, and he, he talks about his experiences of being this um, physician at this clinic in Canada, in Vancouver. And they've got, they got huge, high, high rates of addiction over there. And um, I've lost my trail of thought now. Well, what, I was, well, um, you were talking about, sorry, that you hadn't seen the results of doing like... Yes, what, his whole... Basically, he was saying... To cut a long story short, is that um, if they legalize drugs, people are going to be able to do, say, Class A drugs in a much safer environment. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to prevent a lot of deaths, a lot of diseases, which are having a knock-on effect in terms of um, expenditure on healthcare, etc. But they'll be able to take more preventative measures. But are they talking about legalizing or decriminalizing? Is it decriminalizing and then you can sort of like exactly. regulate the market? To, yeah, get rid of the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which was what they've done now yeah. for marijuana. Yeah. And uh, well, marijuana is like legal to buy, isn't it? Because you can literally go into a shop and buy. Go into a shop. Whereas yeah. I think decriminalizing is like it's still not legal, but but you don't get a prison sentence. So it's not like exactly you can't that. go and yeah. get coke in your corner shop. Yeah, because that I actually think isn't helpful. No, coke specifically is not. <laughs> no, not helpful at all. I think like yeah, the the psychedelics, which actually I haven't really experimented with, but I would I would love to. I think that there's definitely um an element of that. Like every famous songwriter and from history is always like taking acid or. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely uh, <laughs> so maybe history that'll be of that. my next that'll thing. be the next thing. Yeah, um, just dropping some acid. I hope I haven't you know had a bad negative impact on you. Now you're going to go away and your whole <laughs> life is going to unravel as a result of this podcast. No, 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 it's fine. I'm just I'm fascinated. I didn't know you could get acid spray. I'm assuming that's not legal though. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I didn't get it a friend of a friend, <laughs> and I just sampled it. But yeah, um, yes. Uh, do you uh, talking of? <laughs> Talk, talking of sort of mind expansion <laughs> mm. and that, that sort of that side of Neat things. Segue, yeah. uh, <laughs> are you are you into to, to meditation or anything along those lines? Or maybe in your world, I guess it's termed as, as mindfulness. So, um, right, I really should meditate, and I have got a really good friend of mine, Shane, that actually talks really really well about meditation. Every time I talk to her about it, I think I'm going to go and meditate, and I just I haven't, and I should. I guess my why, med- do, you th- why do you think you should? Because I really think it would help me. You know, you said you have like a chaotic brain. Yeah. I kind but you of... feel, I feel like you have a, you may have one, but I feel like you have a high functioning chaotic brain. As yes. As in you, you get shit done. I think that's true. I actually started therapy, which is the most amazing thing. I was going to talk to you about that. In Yeah. So last October. And it was kind of what my therapist said to me. She was like, because I've never, it'll bring the tone down, but I felt a bit depressed in the lockdown. I've never really felt like that before. And she was like, it's so funny because obviously this is normal, but I'll come to her and be like, I'm really, really depressed. But I'm like, the thing is materially for me, nothing changed. I still keep going. Yeah. So I almost wanted to be so depressed that I was bed bound because then I would be like, oh, I'm depressed. But right. but it was sort of like hard to, everyone's different as well. It, it manifests with different people. I know um, you mean. It's 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 sometimes hard to know whether you, oh, is this depression? Yeah, it's, I, I was just, just like, I just today? hate everything and I don't really want to do anything. And I just right. like, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but at the same time, I was like, but I'm getting up and I'm doing everything. And she was like, well, also, I'm not diagnosed with depression, but she was like, you're obviously going through a period where you feel quite depressed. I mean, I don't want to get that terminology wrong. But I think my brain 
is sometimes at odds with what I think my perception of myself. So yeah, I think I am quite productive and ambitious and all of this, but I, I, I don't realize that, if that makes sense. Is that because you're hard on yourself and you have very high expectations of yourself? Maybe, partly yeah. that. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's funny. And I also think, I think it's also a cultural thing of where, say I did a job similar to my boyfriend's or someone where like, you've got to be sat at a desk all day and, and your hours are sort of numbered and there's a production of work that has to be done. And, and at the end of the year, you get a bonus. Like everything that I do is sort of, some of it is just, I might just be sitting, staring for like two hours, really thinking about <laughs> something to do with work. Yeah. And in a funny way, that is productivity and that is work, but you can't quantify it in the same see, way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that I, it, this is sort of what I was talking about with influencers. I used to do this where you sort of create busy work for yourself. So you'll make things to do. So you'll be like, I'm going to set up meetings and I do things because you feel like your time every minute of your day between nine and five should be filled with some sort of like task. But do you think that is due to the burden of having to constantly self-generate? You're responsible for your own income sources, right? Yes. So there's almost a sense of guilt attached to the idea of just like, I'm just going to take it easy today. Because you go, well, if I don't, then... If I do do that, if I don't work, then I might not be getting X amount of money in which it's going to pay the rent off or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't even think it's about taking it easy. I think it's genuinely about like what people see as work because... Um, okay, yeah. So it's more like I would still be doing all the things. I just basically really taught myself now to recognize when something is work rather than thinking it's place. So for instance, I don't know, doing the podcast, I would almost see that as a bit of fun. And I'm just sitting down to chat with someone for like an hour. Yeah. Gonna, nothing that I do has ever really felt like a chore. Okay. And especially when I do my book clubs and things, like I don't get paid for that. People just pay for the tickets and that covers the cost of the event. But I'm right. there for like five hours. I'll end up staying for hours and hours. And one day my manager was like, you, you know, you don't have to like stay with everyone. I'm, I'm, but I'm having a fab time. Yeah. She was like, if someone employed you to do an event for five hours, you'd be getting paid whatever by the hour. Yeah. But my brain never goes, this is all your job. It's like you're just having fun <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. But that's great though, isn't it? I mean, that's, what, that's the dream, isn't it's it? It's the dream. But then for some reason I feel a huge guilt that I'm like, I should be like stressed and, you know, like, right. and feeling like it's really hard. And, and I don't feel that, which is a huge privilege, but I almost like self-flagellate in order to make up for the fact that I'm having such so you, a good time. You feel guilty for, for not feeling guilty. I feel guilty for, for enjoying my job, <laughs> <laughs> is the truth. But don't you think you just some point, okay, because this is something else I wanted to touch upon, okay? I've written down this very professional notes here, by the very way. Very good. Uh, so for instance, you're, you're very passionate about food waste, which I think, you know, is great. And fast fashion. being out Food waste? Where's that from? Reducing food waste. Okay. Reducing food yeah. waste. Am I right about that? But I, I care about it. I'm not, I wouldn't be like, you're not like it's my number one thing. Okay. I guess, I guess, I guess what, <laughs> what, like, you, what... What made you think about the food waste thing? Because I get odd box. Yeah. Is that why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But I think that's quite... It's a good odd box. Yeah, but I think it's quite a generic thing, isn't it? Like not wanting to throw your food away. Do you just throw everything <laughs> You like fuck that shit. I no, just buy you know extra veg and just pop it in the bin. Sometimes my timings are terrible. Really? So sometimes yeah. I'll buy, mm. I'll buy, bolt buy food. Oh yeah. And then I might go out for a few days, and then some of the food's gone off. And I, I no, think that's that terrible. Is, you have to really, really plan with veg. You have to really know where it's I'm going. Terrible planner. Also, and he talks about this in Atomic Habits, but making sure it's in a part of the fridge you can see it. Because this is what I used to do. I used to put cucumbers like right at the back of the drawer. Yeah. With all the veg, and then just completely forget it was there, and then you'd find it like three months later really awful state yeah so it's all about like making that. it visible also meal planning is good but not like making it but just in your mind thinking so do you do that every week no so we just in the, when we go to shop so my boyfriend actually does the shops but i will you know encourage the shopping and i will kind of say like what we're we gonna have monday tuesday wednesday so we just do three days shopping and okay. then three days and then we know and if i'm out or he's out then we'll only buy enough for that night but we'll think oh okay. maybe we'll have a green tie curry on monday Okay. And then Tuesday we'll do that nice prawn salad thing, and then and then you've literally only got enough for the meals that you're going to have. Yeah, that's um, just a lot of planning. It's something uh, it is, but it's I, worth doing, it, isn't it? That's him being Taipei because what I would do is probably what you, you were saying. You do where you go around and you're like, wow, look at all this beautiful like spinach and stuff. I'm going to buy that, and then I just buy anything with no view of what it was going to make. And then just, yeah. So. so you almost, will you almost set out recipes and then you'll well, buy ingredients for those recipes? I just have, a, do you not have like a roster of recipes in your head that we go through kind of phases? So there was a point where we make this thing called chicken bang bang that my sister's fiance used to make. That's just like right. sweet chili chicken thighs with like Hasselback potato. And we literally obsessed with that. So we'd have that on rotation with like a green Thai curry and a fajita dish. Yeah. Do you, do you have this in your brain or not? It's like, I know what it is, it's yeah. Like, I, I, it's like we're um, like the HelloFresh recipe people. Like I okay, have I yeah. have like a log of, we don't look things up in a book. 
We just sort of have our own little log. It's impressive. And then every now and then you add a new one. I've been cooking sort of, I've got sort of bog standard recipes Mm. and I've been cooking them for years and I still have to go through the recipe book. Really? I think so. I mean, sometimes I'll (laughs) foray off them. But it's like, you know what? It's like the same thing before I said about having to get the spare mic in case this one breaks down. I'm anxious that I might get the, yeah. the, the recipe wrong. So I'm the opposite. I've, I will, again, recipes annoy me. I would almost on purpose change it yeah. just for the sake of being difficult. But then that seems to tie in what you're talking <laughs> before about your boyfriend wanting to have sort of a very, you know, structured yeah. routine and you kind of want to be yeah. strong and do your own thing. Well, That's your personality it type. Is, it is my personality. And I hate that. And I used to really want to not be this person that I am but so like cooking wise if it's a chili con carne for instance I will just add in anything I'll be like put a bit of chocolate in there which is actually very good you should do that balsamic glaze red wine whatever and I'll just won't do the same recipe ever but it's kind of the same okay but that works in some senses I might make you the best chili con carne you've ever had but if it's like a specific recipe I can't remember who it is what are the really mob kitchen doing amazing like chicken katsu curry and I used to think when yeah. my boyfriend and I started going out that I was the better cook. Yeah. But because he follows a recipe to a T, it literally looks exactly like it does on the recipe book. And it's much better than my avant-garde cooking. Yeah. Which is upsetting. Do you see what I mean? I see, but yours is more creatively Creative, fulfilling. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, so maybe I, I do it, care but... about food waste. You were right. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I think so. I think we've touched upon something you weren't aware of before. No. So it's been useful for you as well as me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess what I was getting at is that I suppose it's part of your podcast, right? You're interviewing lots of different people. And I think it's, you're, it's great because you're, you're expanding your mind, all these different subject matters, right? By having these different guests. Um, you touched on what before about feeling guilty for feeling guilty, right? And I know you've talked about, say, your privilege, okay? Do you ever get a sense of like overwhelm where you feel like it's, you've constantly got to educate yourself and re-educate yourself and you're worried about potentially slipping up for saying something? I know we talked about this in terms of, your your some of your followers might comment on a post and say, well, that's not, you know, that's not the sort of, you know, the person that I know, that's not the person that I followed. But I guess more in terms of the, educating yourself on certain subject matters, do you ever find it's exhausting? You're just like, I can't be honest with this. So, so I actually never get bored of the learning side of things because I'm a naturally curious and inquisitive person. So like I will spend, if I've got internet on the tube, I'll, I'll, I'll end up just reading loads of articles. Like I find that really fun. What I found what I found that I don't enjoy as much anymore is sort of the the need to commentate on things and the need to insert my opinion. Why do you think that's changed? Um, because I think that there was a point where I thought that my voice was really important, especially like not in a, in a, I felt I had a responsibility on certain things to talk about wild issues, but it's got to the point now where that's sort of in of itself spiraled and okay. it's become its own thing on social media. You know how everyone makes like sort of these infographics and things. Yeah. And after a while I was like, oh, this has gone from a bit where lots of people really cared and really were trying to like make a difference by talking out to lots of people sort of just not I don't want to say virtue singing, but I think like it's fashionable, right? It's kind of like a culture of it's like a commentary culture. And I've yeah. just gone actually at this point, I'm just gonna step away and not talk about everything and I've learned that like within my friends and within like people that know me I know where my values are and I know that they all respect me and what I think mm-hmm. and I'm less pressed about proving to other people that I like obviously care about what's going on in Afghanistan right now but I haven't spoken about it because I've, I'm suddenly like do you know what if I don't post that same infographic that six million other people have posted doesn't mean that I'm not reading about it and I think it's it's more that it's more the expectation of showing up or whatever the thing is it's like um it's exactly the same as what I was saying before. I guess they're just feeling less beholden to worrying about other people's opinions. Um, and I That's had a, quite free and quite liberating. It's really liberating. And I had a really good conversation with Jason Alcandaya, who's like a um, black gay journalist who does incredible writing. And I, I love everything that he writes. He's writing a book at the actually. And we, one of my last episodes was with, with him. And it was so funny because the podcast almost come full circle. Because it started off about all the things we didn't learn in school. And a lot of it ended up being about privilege and identity politics and culture and, and all those things. And the, one of the episodes with him, he was like, we've done it. We've we've spoken about privilege at the end of the day. He was like, you standing up and being like, I'm a white, cis, hat, able-bodied, neurotypical, white, middle-class, whatever else woman. He was like, doesn't do anything anymore. Like the, the sort of the, repres- not the representation, what's the thing? The sort of like saying it part, we've done that. I don't think we need to do that anymore. He was like, it's just boring. It's just identity politics. And it's just like hammering the same point home. He was like, I think the conversation can move on now. And that's sort of where I feel it's like, it was interesting up until a point, but I think the information is out there now. Yeah, We've had these conversations and I think that it's more like putting it into practice in terms of how we all live and rather than sort of explaining. It's it's been a very like growing up process. It was like, I learned all those things and I'm like, 
okay, that sort of means of doing things isn't where I'm at anymore. Does that, does that it make makes sense? complete sense. And I guess that's what, you know, we were talking about earlier, the challenge of not growing up, but like, mm. you know, kicking off with a, a profile on social media and having released, you know, having a track record of releasing certain types of content and now you're changing in a different direction. You're almost like a prisoner to that historical content and the way that you might have uh, approached certain subject matters. And now you're kind of like, well, actually, no, I'm at this stage of my life and I, I'm sort of distancing myself from that. And, and that's okay. And mm. for normal people, not not that you're not normal, but for people, let's say, who don't have like a profile right, yeah. or a following, normal is not the right word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the weirdo. I'm the no, weirdo. I am. That's right. Uh, but, but for people like that, they can do it behind closed doors. So, yeah. you, you know, you can you can sort of, you can voice certain subject matters around the dinner table, for instance. Yeah. And then you get to a point, you're like, actually, am I annoying everyone? Yeah. I'm going to stop now. And it's only those people around you that are affected. But where you, when you've got a big following, it's a completely different ballgame. Totally. And, it, you know, I did it before though, because when I started off in fitness, it was, I then did the pop, because I was like, then really pigeonholed into fitness which was the irony being that I'd gone from being the scarred again always sort of like the chubby funny smoker girl at school to getting to being like the, this really fitnessy girl yeah and that was the thing that took off and then I was pigeonholed into that personality that I'd only really occupied for the past did like, you lose, year did you sorry to interrupt did you lose um friends uh, uh, at the time as a result of that like people that oh, you've changed no no not at all because right. I hadn't changed it was just it was just the thing that got me nothing had changed I just got really lean okay but it was that the thing that got me an audience was being lean so the part of me yeah, that everyone yeah. was interested in was like the least relevant part to who i was it was just i'd finally lost weight which is a classic thing with women it's like oh my yeah. god you got marginally more attractive let's like listen to you talk now it was it was basically like that it was like oh you're thin what what have you got to say so right. that was like then once that had been going on for a bit i then like started the podcast and then again that was sort of like pivoted my instagram content to more sort of like lifestyle and fashion and stuff and that took me years and i probably only just got to the point where everyone was sort of like settling into this being about books and fashion and stuff and now i'm like okay so now i want to be yeah, a comedian just, yeah <laughs> and it's i think it's great though it's like you're just evolving experimenting trying different things it's literally i was talking to a friend about this the other day and i was saying how i think there's like two types of people and there's the kind of people that are like really sort of do things by the book and they're like, right, I'm going to do my degree and then I'm getting a master's and I'm going to do the internship. And that's like one route and that like was tried and tested and it works. Mm -hmm. And then there's people like me and a lot of my friends who we're just sort of like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And sometimes stuff does work and, yeah. and sometimes it just means that like with adulting, that was like the 50th project of things that I I was thinking, I can't even remember what I was thinking about doing before, but I had so many of these, like what I thought was sort of like <gasps> moments where yeah, I was sure. like, oh my God, I'm going to do this. And yeah. then it was just that podcast idea, which I also no planning went into it i just was like right i'm gonna record it now and i just bought a microphone and just had people around my flat and the sound quality was awful and it's i sort of like worked out which i think is the best way to do something so totally. can i keep this is such a long story i feel bad that i'm talking so long but that i'll finish off this. in the book that i just read atomic habits by james clear again it's like i'm sponsored i'm not you can if you want um there's a bit where he talks about you can either be in motion or in action and he okay. was like we spend a lot of our time in motion which is when you're like setting up meetings and planning and like researching and it makes you feel like you're doing the thing okay so i don't know like imagine so i was talking about wanting to go into comedy but i never actually did a gig and i'm just like oh, i'm going to find out like who the best promoters are and i'm going to look up like who's doing this whatever that's called being in motion but being in action would just be like i'm just going to go and do a gig. gig yeah and up until this point i've always done the thing where I've never been that f worried. I've never really thought about it. I just went like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast or oh, I'm going to do whatever. Because I don't really know why, because I just wasn't, it's not because I was doing it the right way. I just didn't really think that I had, there was any due process that I should have done. Yeah. And in a funny way, it's worked out better for me. But as you said, because I have an audience, it gets harder and harder to take those risks because everyone is watching you. There's a freedom that comes with those, with sort of forays into different areas at, you know, at an earlier stage. But also there's a sense of naivety that goes with that. Yeah. And, and the naivety is a beautiful thing because that's what makes you think, oh, do you know what? I can do Just this. Just go for it. Yeah. yeah. And then once you enter that world, you're like, oh, wow, there's a whole other ball game here. Yeah. But you, I think in a sense, you need that sort of like naivety to, to just sort of, try something exactly and i think i think it's a bit of both i mean obviously it's not you can't think that you can just walk into anything and, and be the best at it but i think that we're all really hindered by this is why i'm saying that like, i'm not perfectionist because for years i've always been like oh, i'm such a perfectionist just it's such a thing to say and i was like actually i'm not i do stuff all the time that is so half not half fast but like when i take a picture on instagram i'll take it on that day and i'll put a filter on it i just post it i'm not it's there's no like real sort of I'm not like, I don't have like a cachet of pictures to post and like, nothing is planned. It's very like off the cuff. And that's not because I'm good. It's because I'm like, I want to, I'm very spontaneous to my detriment as in like, I want things, I want to do them now. <laughs> so yeah. I just do things. Yeah. And in a funny way, I think that's almost 
like worked out for me. But on the other hand, you don't want to be like so cocksure that you you think you deserve something before you do. I think it's more just about realizing that you're never going to get it perfectly and there's nothing wrong with like figuring out on the job. Yeah. Because if I'd spent years planning that podcast and thinking about all the gas I wanted to get and everything, it probably, probably wouldn't have started it now. Oh, totally. I'm, I'm definitely a culprit to that sometimes. It's like perfectionism is a killer of creativity. Yeah. Sometimes you've just got to think, fuck it, I'm going to just do this and just share But it then at least when you do stuff, it is probably better than when I do it. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, what do you do then? I mean, you've talked about how your work is played and mm-hmm. your players work. So then I don't know if this question is redundant, but mm. what do you do to relax and unwind outside of your your your, your projects you've got going on work-wise? Well, this is... It's annoying because events, not annoying, but everything does sort of become work. So reading used to be really relaxing. But now that I do my my book post, it still is relaxing, but there's sort of like a bit of a time limit on it. Because I'm like, right, I need to, I need to, the minute I finish a book, I start another one. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I've got to have a weekly thing. So I do read to relax. But also in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what's the review of this book going to be? Okay. Um, And then I'm really into food and wine. Like my most favorite thing to do is like find a new restaurant in London, have that, it's amazing. But then... I'll post about it. <laughs> so then there's that again going on. Okay. Um, probably just like hanging, going out with my friends. I really think that's it. And just being like idiots and dancing. I love, I'm so bad at dancing, but I love it so much. I can't even explain. Like we went to Scotland on a girl's trip for my friend's birthday the other week. So my friend's parents live in Scotland. Okay. And we would just be up till five in the morning just dancing to like shit music. And her mum was like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we just love, we'd be sweating. You know, when you go to like a disco in year nine and they turn the lights on and your hair's like wet and you're drenched. That's <laughs> what me and my friends are like when we go out. It's just like constant dancing. So probably that, which is okay. it's good as well because you sweat out all the alcohol. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just quite a sweaty person in general. I'm so sweating just... a lot. I think I've got sweat patches. Yeah. No, I I did I you just... notice them? No, I, did, I didn't know. No, I didn't notice them. <laughs> I was just going to say like, I'm just, I walk down the street and I'm sweaty. I'm sweaty Very man. sweaty man. Very it's, you sweaty don't, man. you're not, I'm definitely, I always get a Sula, sweaty upper lip alert. Oh, I didn't know mm. that was the term for mm. that. It's from Wild Child, which is an amazing film. You should watch it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll check that out. Um, okay. Talking of books then, yes. are there any books, I know you talked about um, Atomic Habits, but is there, are there any books in particular that stand out that have had a major impact to you in, in your life in any shape or form? It doesn't have to be work-related. So, well, it's there's certain ones that just stay with you, and I guess also more recently, but Utopia for Realists I read recently by Rutger Bregman, okay. which is an amazing book, and it's basically just talking about how could we make the world better for the majority, like for more people. So it's a lot about like universal basic income and why like, it's very like anti-conservative. It's just, he's an amazing, I guess he's like a philosopher. um, And it's kind of a really simple, incredible, positive look on human nature. So he's written a second book actually called Humankind, which is all about sort of like debunking, you know, the Lord of the Flies idea that like, if you left loads of kids on an island, they'd all like kill each other because we all deep down we're sort of like savages. Mm And he was like, did that actually happen where these kids actually were like sort of stranded off an airplane and they were left on an island in like 1970 something, I can't remember what it was. And they just like formed a coalition, like all helping each other with cooking. Like that's not, he was like, we've been so taught because of capitalism that we're inherently evil, that we want to get to the top of the rat race, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, that's not actually how we're built psychologically or, or physiologically. And if we knew that, everyone would kind of be nicer. So he's just a really nice, he's got a very positive outlook. And I actually spoke to him on the podcast, which was, I don't know why he said yes, because he's like quite famous. I don't think he knew who I was, but anyway, that was amazing. So yeah, Utopia for Realists is incredible. Um, and then another book, which I just, is just a really nice fiction book. It's called City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert of the Eat, Pray, Love fame. Yes, I read writer. her book, Big Magic. I need to read that. Is it good? I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, that's something I've actually been thinking about reading. Um, but yeah, this is just about sort of like flap, flapper girls in, in New York. And it's just, okay. it's lots of glitz and glamour. And it's, oh, it's one of the best, but I read it. And it's, you know, sometimes you read a novel and it just completely takes you away. Yeah. And it was like, I haven't been that absorbed in a book, I don't think, since I read like Harry Potter. Like the intensity of the like, oh, I just was so excited to read it. So yeah, City of Girls. Okay, great. And do you find when, you, when you're reading fiction, because essentially, you know, when you read fiction, you watch TV, they're both forms of escapism. Mm. But do you feel, I don't know, a feeling of a less sense of guilt when you're reading as opposed to watching something like Love Island? No, I love Love Island. Yeah, I, I said that on purpose because I knew. Yeah, that. I'm obsessed with Love Island. No, I don't. The only thing is you sleep so much better. So I'll try and do it where we will. So I am in a routine by proxy of the fact that my boyfriend's in such a routine. But we will try and what if we're going to watch something, we'll watch something from eight till nine and then we'll get into bed and read from nine till ten. Wow. So that you'll, the last thing you do before bed is not on a screen. Every day you do this. Yeah, try to. Yeah. 
What about the blue uh, ray glasses? You know those glasses? Yeah, I do, I do actually wear glasses, but I don't think mine have the blue thing. But it's more, okay. yeah, that probably would help. But it's more, I do think you get into deeper, like nicer sleep. I agree. Have you read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker? No, but I'm, I've got insomnia, so I should read it. You should read it. It's really, really good. And he also talks about the nap thing, by the way. I felt so vindicated. He was like, we're designed to have three sleeps a day because of our circadian rhythms. So, you know, at 3 p.m. you start to feel a bit, was it three now? I don't know what time it is, but you start to feel a bit snoozy. That's literally your body clock is telling you to go to sleep. Interesting. It's really, that's another. I love a nap. Yeah. I love a nap. But it's 20 minutes has got to be the cutoff. Any more than that, I'm all over the place. Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, I mix matched. I think 20 minutes and a half an hour is a good one. When you accidentally sleep longer, that's when you wake up and feel like, (gasps) it's very stressful. But I, some people don't like napping. No, I know. It could never be me. Controversial. No. I could sleep anywhere. If you were like, have a sleep on the floor now, I would just go sleep. My girlfriend's the same. She's a good sleeper. Yeah. I could sleep on a long haul flight, 18 hours straight. No problem. Oh, I wish. Yeah, absolutely no issue. And then I'm still tired all the time. So don't know what that is. But no, I don't feel good about watching TV because I think that I, that's, I mean, I'm a snob about wine. That's something I really need to, I'm not actually a snob, but I've just learned too much. But when, with things like, <laughs> <Not too much. laughs> I have, you could, there's, there's a certain threshold you go too far. There was a wine we used to love called The Governor that you can get on Majestic. It's like six pounds water. It was like my favorite wine ever. And then it, we hadn't had it for Is a few white months. Wine? No, it's a red wine. It's a red wine. Okay. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, I could literally drink this. It's the nicest thing. Okay. And we went a few months not having it. And we've been trying to like experiment a bit more with different wines. And then we had it and I was like, it tastes like ketchup. It was so upsetting, and now I don't like it anymore. Because your palate's because more yeah, because I like understood, and it just tasted really sugary and sweet. And I was like, oh no, I've just made myself. Well, I guess I'm going to have to earn more money because some wines extortion it. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Um, but no, sorry, <laughs> with TV and think no, because it's just entertainment. I think that's so annoying. You know, people like. I think maybe it's slightly better for your brain to read a book, but Netflix is the dream. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, I can get lost in that for hours yeah. and ends. Final question for you. Yeah. I very much enjoyed talking to you. And I've, I've got a lot more questions here, but our time is limited. What does the idea of balance mean to you or not? I say or not because it might not be something that you believe in. No, I do believe in balance. It's so funny because that was so the buzzword of when I started fitness and Instagram. Everything's okay. like getting a balance. <laughs> I think it's, but I used to think that balance was sort of like the thing that we spoke about before so like being really in a routine and having everything in order I actually think balance is it's a lot more ebby and flowy than that so it could be that one week you're actually like really off your game and you've been out with your friends and you're feeling a bit low and not everything's going that well but then the next week everything's better I kind of would look at balance more now on a monthly basis whereas Mm. I used to think of it much more rigorously and be a lot more stressed and more anxious about it and feeling like oh my god I'm not all my ducks aren't in a row whereas if I look back over my whole like well my career trajectory especially it goes upwards down sideways but you know the lin- the line is eventually going i feel like in terms of i'm getting closer to what i want to be doing but there's ne- it's never just been like Shoom! or like so i think balance to me is always knowing just when to okay this i'm gonna say it to put it better so i uh, in therapy we're talking about self-care and stuff and my therapist would be like this time you just gotta let yourself relax and like you know look after yourself be kind to yourself like treat yourself then I got to the point where I was just constantly sort of like, oh my God, I'm just, you just self-care. And I was self-caring <laughs> to the point where it was like redundant. And I went to her and she was like, no, that's not what I meant. She was like, sometimes self-care is when I like, get the fuck out of bed. Like, so I think it's that balance of knowing when you need something. That's what balance means to me. Okay. When to, when to kick yourself up the bum and when to like, let yourself chill. Good answer. Is it? I yeah. don't know if it was. No, I think Are it's a good sure? answer. Okay. Yeah, no, no one's, uh, I don't think anyone's answered that in terms of looking at it from a uh, month by month basis okay fab so, well yeah. we can patent that and you're, i'll um you're a revolutionary yeah. thank you yeah. uh, and only it's been a pleasure speaking to you thank you so much for coming on for your time where is best to people for people to follow you and I've, you've got um is it a wine club is there the book club coming up i've, I've mispronounced i butchered that i'm gonna say it again <laughs> is, it, is it the wine club or the book club because there's a combo of both isn't it you've got an event coming up in july i, I do that. i have july you mean september well, it's august now <laughs> god blind me <laughs> So I have. It's great to be able to to control the edit, isn't it? Um, Are you, you going to go get any other? Let's go again. In. No, but is, no. I will keep it in. I will keep it in. Don't worry, because like, I'm. You, you got to you got to be able to make fun of yourself. Um, that was going to be the soundbite. Okay. Of the episode. Over to you, Anony. So I have um, a book club coming up on the third of September. Unfortunately, that is sold out. But I'm hoping to be. Hosting it's not them. Is it? I mean, it's it's good. It's, yeah, it's sold out. And so they're not that big an event though. Cause it's quite okay. intimate. So, but I do those every month. Well, I will okay. be again now after the pandemic. So I post about those on my Instagram page, which is my name. Okay. This O-E-N. is all bright. Oh, any that's the all bright. Yeah. 
Then I did do an evening with wine women, which might, might be what you're thinking, but it's my first. Now, I shouldn't actually say that because I can't believe I did this, but I basically was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do an hour of stand up, see how that goes. You did an hour of stand up? I just did an hour of stand up the other week at and? my house. It was, it was fun, but I just don't know why. I called it an evening with wine women. We had wine tasting and I did an hour of stand up. Wow. It was quite what, fun. It was impromptu. No, no, no. Like I planned to do an hour, <laughs> but it was like, I basically, this is where the influencer thing and I, I, is like weird. So I could, I can do an event at a really nice venue, but I'm not technically, I, I don't know who I think I am to be doing an hour, but because it's like my Instagram audience, I sort of do that. It's like for them. And then I go and do like the five minute gigs for my comedy, like so learning. So the material is not the material you would do at a comedy club. It'd be, it's oh no, it, it is audience. the same material, but oh, I just mean like, who does an hour? I've, I'm, I'm too new to be doing an hour, but I just thought I'd give it a go. And it was really fun and I enjoyed it. So that was at Mortimer House and I had a guy at Mortimer House giving everyone a wine tasting. Great. And that was really fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. All right, so I will be at the next event in July. Perfect. Um, next, 2022. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. I look forward to seeing you there <laughs> and seeing your two-hour stand. Yeah. Show. <laughs> Um, where where's the best for people to follow you and keep up with what you're what you're up to? Oh yeah, so I'm just Anoni on Instagram. I think I'm Anoni for about on Twitter, and then you can go and listen to the back catalogue of my podcast, which is called Adulting with Anoni for Bat. It's like over 100 episodes, and then um, I guess watch the space. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, <laughs> but more comedy. Actually, I'm doing comedy on the second of September. Uh, or the third, Carnaby Street are doing like a um, festival. Okay, and my friend who's a comedian grace campbell we do shows together and we're doing um we'll be doing stuff it's just open air you can just come along to carnaby street great so that'd be fun and only thank you very much thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.